0: Hello and welcome back. My name is Cornelis McGrath and this is The Junto. A space where game changers from all over the globe gather to have the conversations that truly matter. When I'm not behind the microphone, I'm travelling the world with an empire state of mind building my business called Everyday Entrepreneur. It's a new media storytelling collective that's home to a modern day university called Breakouts. A 12 month lifestyle fellowship called The School. A social mutual improvement club called The Junto and a quarterly publication called 1727. If you're interested in learning more, visit everydayentrepreneur.co. Today's Junto episode comes to you from Scottsdale, Arizona. Myself, my business partner, Cam Perna, and our longtime fellow-in-residence, Justin Fleischman, recap our incredible Breakouts for retreat weekend in the Southwest. From all-natural wine tastings and lights-out Thai meals to tongue-in-cheek late-night cocktails, this weekend had it all. We spent our early mornings hiking in the mountains, with the afternoons reserved strictly for lolling by the pool. This might just be our best retreat yet. We hope you enjoy. Wonderful. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, we are back with a very another very special Breakouts Recap. We are in a beautiful and very warm Phoenix, Arizona this morning in East Scottsdale we've just wrapped the breakouts for retreat. I have the pleasure of being here with, with the one and only Camperna and a very new, but equally wonderful guest to all those in the breakouts family who are listening, our fellow in residence, Justin Fleischman. Gents, thanks for getting up early. Cheers. <laughs> JF is absolutely loving being on the pod so far. So, uh, we're going home today. We've already said goodbye to a, a few of our wonderful fellows. Um, this retreat has just been just exceptional. Uh, this is my second time in Phoenix. Cam the short drive from Tucson. Justin made the hop with me over from Chicago. And I feel like we've just had the most amazing time since Thursday afternoon. So so as is custom at this point, we just want to recap you with what's evolved since Savannah. Uh, some of the best things that we learned this weekend. We'll give you a little brief insight into the agenda and the the wine and the food and the conversations that we had. So uh, Justin, why don't we begin on Thursday, my friend? Uh, You and I arrived kind of early into Scottsdale. I had the pleasure of working remotely on Thursday at Schmooz, which is a phenomenal kind of work bar. Their cold brew and their breakfast burritos are insane. I took Thursday office hours from Schmooz. And I think everybody, particularly those in the Midwest and over in London who are on our cohort, were, were very jealous. And then Justin and I, you and I went over to cold beers and cheeseburgers to watch Manchester United emphatically beat or well, lose to Roma, but still go into the European Europa League final. And uh, then we, we got picked up by Cam and our wonderful Subaru, headed over to the house. And Justin, I guess, what were your what were your images walking into the house? You've been at every single retreat effectively since October of 2019. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you felt Thursday walking in.
1: Well, let me just start by saying... This place advertises itself as the desert dream, mm-hmm. it was a dream. We walk out, uh, this place looks like any, I don't know what to call it, a tropical resort that you could imagine. You just see this big blue pool, these sprouting green palm trees throughout the background. You hear cooing and it's kind of like natural, exotic animals around you. Uh, you look to your left and there's a big patio with an excellent communal space. Uh, where that we used multiple times throughout the retreat for our group sessions uh, a hot tub, jacuzzi uh, as they say across the pond uh, a nice putting green we had to, a, a nice grass lawn with some games which uh, I will say were underutilized this trip some cornhole some spike ball some can jam a playground with some lovely swings really everything you could ask for for a 7-8 to eight person retreat
0: yeah it was pretty amazing I think this is the best space we've had. Obviously, it was one of the most intimate retreats I think we've had in terms of group size. And so, yeah, I think when we all arrived and you know we all just hopped in the pool and we kind of took a moment, just had a beer. And we were like, "This is pretty fucking cool." Um, and I think living in those moments is is really, really powerful. Um, and it was definitely a made it moment, which we'll get to to more later. So, um, as is custom, the team kind of arrives on site early. We'll go to a local wine store, picked up some amazing bone-in ribeye steaks, courtesy of Cam, picked up some wonderful local beers. then it was kind of interesting, wasn't it? We were just like waiting for the group to arrive. Mm -hmm. So we had, you know, three fellows come out Thursday night, one come out Friday night. And what was really interesting about this retreat and and this group of breakouts is we don't really have any friends in, in this cohort. Like this is truly beyond kind of our personal networks. And so everybody was literally meeting for the first time in person mm-hmm. on Thursday evening. And I'm curious, maybe Cam, you can jump in here. Like, how did you feel? Did the did the intros go as you thought they would? Did you assimilate straight into mm-hmm.
2: the evening? Yeah, it's funny because we asked everybody, like, what was your expectation? Did that match your first impression? And everyone was like, oh, I had no expectation. And I thought that was actually pretty interesting answer but I guess I didn't really have any expectation either it just felt super organic which is a good proof point I would say to the fact that like digital mediums can actually instigate real relationships and as a long time digital skeptic it makes me optimistic around what we're doing but yeah to be able to meet four people for the first time in person and from sentence number one have it feel as natural as it did felt good honestly so really enjoyable weekend for us and it's I think it elevates the community in the sense that there's no there's no prior baggage coming to the table good and bad and in breakouts one through three we had a lot of friends there and I think it's easy to say hey I'm here because of Cam or Cornelius not I'm here because I want to work through the curriculum and become better And so I was reflecting this morning during office hours that I thought the prototype day presentations were the sharpest they had ever been. And that's an indicator that one, this curriculum and this community can thrive without friends. And number two, that probably because we aren't friends, it allows us to provide more incisive feedback. And folks took the presentations very far, very fast yesterday, which shows that Their level of seriousness and honestly just them residing inside of our customer circle of competence is all aligning. And so that's been super exciting for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Thursday was a a wonderful entry. We like to take it easy on Thursday, have a few drinks, have a bit of a blowout, talk talk till the early hours of the
1: morning. I do think we'd be remissed uh, to not point out a couple of the key differences that people uh, noticed in person. Everyone listening to this podcast, you know, Koineas is is shorter than most people expect. (laughs) I would also add that I'm shorter as well, as I'm (laughs) shorter than him. So don't get your expectations too high.
0: It's a shame. I feel like I've got a radio voice that sounds tall. But yeah, I'm I'm 5'9", fucking 9 to 5 at this point in shoes but yeah we uh so we got to we got to bed in the early hours of, of friday morning and i do think everyone was a bit like oh yeah that hike you put on the agenda for 7 a.m like you actually want to do that thing mm-hmm. um but i was very impressed although some of our fellows were fielding literally 4 5 a.m pacific time east coast work calls everybody well maybe not car but everybody <laughs> made it out of the house on time and uh
1: yeah gateway loop i mean let's just talk about that because that was phenomenal Mm -hmm. and please for all the listeners to know i was not there on this hike uh so hearing Cornelius and cam describe it now is also coloring this hike for me as well so please go into as much detail as possible
2: it was a simple loop mcdowell mountain like 10 minutes northeast of here and four and a half miles like 700 feet of elevation it just takes you up and back We took a right. We didn't go all the way up to Inspiration Point, which would have probably destroyed the girls, but um, yeah, it's fun. First time for so many of them to see a saguaro cactus in person, and it's funny because the three girls are all from New York City, and so just getting out of the house and pulling out of the driveway, they're like, wow, there are mountains here. That's stunning, and everything's 20 minutes away by car. That's bizarre, and that led into a really nice conversation, I thought. I think having a hike in lieu of perhaps a workout class for at least that first morning is a good way to instigate conversation because walking and talking with no distractions at all, barring maybe a car a photo shoot, was a lot of fun. But um, on the back of that hike, I think people were definitely hungry. And so do you want to talk about what we stepped into down at Valentine's?
0: Yeah, Valentine, thank you very much to, to Livy Lingua for the recommendation. Uh, Libby runs the the bar program over at Highball and uh, she very kindly introduced us to Blaze Faber and Blaze, thank you very much for giving us a reservation when you don't do reservations but Valentine is honestly like no place I've really been Um, and what was really cool to to learn is that uh, Blaze and Ryan, who runs Modern Manor uh, the interior design store that's literally at the back of Valentine uh, teamed up to do this and You know, Valentine is, I would say, uh, a pretty edgy, but like not in your face, high end uh, coffee place, cocktail spot and brunch bar. We sat down on some beautiful kind of rustic modern furniture and I was just blown away by the food. I mean, I started with a cacao cold brew, which was exceptional. I had about three. Um, and then Justin and I had the steak and eggs. That is the best steak and eggs I've ever had. I mean, the char on the steak. The char. The char was mad. And the, and the tortillas were wild. And yeah, I think everybody was just like, they had earned the food post hike. We kept it pretty loose on the conversation. A great friend of mine, Chad, Kennedy Rickey, who joined us. Kennedy's just got his pilot's license. He's working in kind of green aviation out here in Arizona. So he was telling some great plane stories. And then, yeah, we had the opportunity to wander into Modern Manor and got to meet, uh, got to meet Ryan, uh, who's the, the kind of founder of Modern Manor. And I just thought the selection of prints and furniture that he had was amazing. And we asked him, like, why did you start this thing? And he goes, because me and my wife were bored of shopping at Ikea 11 years ago. And I just thought that was the most wonderful thing. So we had some conversations with Ryan. I'm definitely looking forward to hosting an event there in the future. Do, like, some crazy dinner in the back with a bunch of actiques. You know, surrounding the table, and then yeah, we just we pushed back to the house. Uh, and then when we got back to the house, we had a, a very, very special fellow join us in Tim Skinner. And let's talk about Tim for a few minutes because I think he really changed the dynamic of the weekend for the best.:
1: Tim, first impression is one of those charming, uh, southern drawl, very personal kind of people who immediately kind of makes you like him Uh, and you could tell that he brought a manner of experience and professionalism to the retreat uh, that immediately changed Mm -hmm. our interactions
2: he was the true stranger because the three girls know each other I mean Olivia and Kara work for the same family and Olivia and Kali went to school together and so very organically those three girls have been hanging out for the entirety of the course so Tim was kind of the seventh wheel in a funny way and yeah, just immediately put everybody at ease, but elevated the seriousness. And for background on him, what I love about him is he's a kid from Shreveport, Louisiana, who just hustles. Works nine to five, and then five to nine, almost all day, every day. And so I think giving him an opportunity to take a, a day and a half away from the laptop was gratifying for me. But yeah, once once he was in, in tow and we had the chance to, to sit down and get settled, I was most excited, I think, this weekend for the Devin Anderson session. So do you want to talk through how you got connected with Devin?
0: Yeah, Devin is a you know a great friend, someone I emailed back in 2018 when Farnham Street uh, released the first edition of their volume one, The Great Mental Models. And so I actually approached Shane and I said, I think this is really cool. You guys moving into the physical, would you like to do an interview? And he goes, well, that actually wasn't my idea. So I was like, whose idea was it? And he goes, it was my guy, Devin Anderson. So it was kind of Shane's number two as they grew the blog from, I think, about you know a half million dollar business, or let me say you know 80 subscribers, 800 subscribers, to now tens of thousands of people who listen and, and read and consume Farnham Street on a daily basis. Um, so Devin's really done an incredible job there to, to take that to be the multi-million dollar business it is today. And yeah, Devin and I did a podcast together in, in 2019. Um, it was really chill. I really liked him. We stayed in touch. Um, and he actually shared that there have been many times where I've asked him for things that he didn't actually want to give me because he was probably slightly too busy. But he called me the king of the cold emails. So I, I, I guess that's a, a, a testament to what we teach mm-hmm. in breakouts and, and shows you the value of like, you know, patient persistence. But yeah, decided to bring Devin in because he's left FS now. He's now running a business called Fix My Pitch. He's a copywriter from the direct response world. So he is one of the best I know at kind of fine-tuning messaging. He's definitely someone we're thinking about working with. And so I couldn't think of a better guy, at least local to Phoenix, Mm -hmm. who could come in, listen to four strangers' presentations, and really help them clarify what their value was. And so we spent the best part of two and a half, three hours over three. Yeah, over three hours, which is so kind of Devon to give up his time, just going deep on Tim, on Olivia's, on, on Cara's, um, and on Collie's kind of deload presentations, where we basically ask all of our fellows to tell us what they can be best in, in, in their world out or your world, as we like to put it, in the three two one. And so I think it was fantastic from the feedback I got from the fellows that mm-hmm. to see the positivity from <coughs> Devon, mm-hmm. you know, it, it had to be earned. And it was really interesting, the things that he latched onto. Mm -hmm. And I think he helped give the fellows confidence because it's one thing for the three of us to say, Hey, that's something, I think it's something different in its entirety when a literal stranger who yes, knows me, but is coming to be honest, says, you've actually got something there.
1: And speaking for myself, he set uh, our expectations far too high for the weekend in that he ex- he exceeded every expectation. Uh, he came in, we called it a prototype masterclass. And to me, it, it came out to be more of a form of counseling or therapy. Mm-hmm. It was a deep dive into your world uh, that could actually give personalized 45 minutes to each person. And what astounded me personally, I- I'm curious what you guys think, was kind of the flexibility uh, and ability he had to bounce between multiple industries. Uh, because our, our fellows, were coming from the creative world uh, they were coming from more of a business world uh, they were considering whether to start their own companies whether to ask for raises with what they're currently mm-hmm. doing uh, really like a, a tremendous amount of effect or i guess difference variability mm-hmm. on their backgrounds and he was able to lean into each one uh, in a way that few people can really do uh, and i would also add that i think it was a tremendous learning and bonding experience for the other fellows uh, in that they really got to dive deeper into the minds of each other Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was one of those moments where uh, everything that followed it allowed us to go to a greater depth of conversation quicker because everyone had a very intimate understanding uh, of each other's backgrounds and then desires for the future
0: Yeah, and just a few nuggets that I've got written down here like what Devin's excellent at is, is figuring out what people want and giving it to them which I loved. And then he kind of framed four questions, which is what's the hook? What do people care about? How do you get them cited? And then what does it mean to overdeliver? And I loved his prompt of if people just knew dot, 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 then something would happen. And I think <clears throat> those types of prompts, they're so simple, but like they're not easy to think about. And I think it provoked just amazing kind of insights and I was even thinking about what our version of that is and how we can kind of continue to refine that so it was it was really brilliant that Devon stayed so long but I did feel bad for our our main man and photographer TJ Perez shout out to TJ shout out to Elliot Clark for that wonderful connect big shots and um, yeah TJ's an incredible shot Um, he grew up in Tucson um, so he knew about EG's which I know Cam loved and yeah he is hustling right now in IT he's about to become a loan officer, and then in his spare time he's like just trying to perfect his craft as a photographer. So we had TJ on site taking some amazing pictures. We had certain fellows demand more of his time than others, so gotta watch out for that in the future. Um, But that was a really powerful moment because so much of of what we talk about in Breakouts is all around image, and I know we'll get to that when we talk about Hunter's keynote from yesterday. So I think it was amazing for him to capture The moment of Devon imparting wisdom and then giving the fellows a space to get some professional assets because I think we are just so shocked at people's digital hygiene in terms of their imagery. Like people are rolling around with confirmation photos on, like, you know, the iPhone 3 um, and then trying to build businesses where they're asking for five or $6,000 per product. It just doesn't work that way. And oftentimes the first impression that people are getting is digital. So we think we're onto something by giving people a platform to get these assets, to really craft their image as part of these retreats. And I would say, like, I haven't seen the photos yet, but based on the early impression, I think it's gonna completely transform the image and the confidence that our fellows have in themselves. Mm-hmm. So so huge shout out to TJ. And uh, once we wrapped up there, we kind of spent some time in the pool, got showered up and headed down to Clyde Barn. Mm-hmm. Cam, take us away, man.
2: So Glybon is maybe like a 12 to 16 table Thai restaurant in basically like north downtown Phoenix, but it's bizarre. It basically looks like the porch from a home in the southeast. You walk inside, it's just like wood paneling everywhere. You got multicolored Christmas lights hanging from the ceiling and super small tables with like tin cups. And then the food comes to the table and it's lights out. So when I told everyone this week down in Tucson and some of my coworkers in Phoenix, we were going to Glibon. Their first question was, how'd you get a table? And the second question was like, how good was it? How good is it going to be? Um, and I would say it was lights out. Probably the best Thai food that I've ever had in my life. And I thought the service was fantastic. The wine list was super unique. And it set a good tone for the, for the evening. It wasn't like stuffy. Conversation was very organic, mm-hmm. and it was fun, honestly. And we rolled that right into highball.
1: Uh, I will add before highball that you guys did one of the things I love, which is when you go into some expert's domain and ask for what they like most. Mm. So you order. What, what do you call it? The chef special. Chef's yeah. choice. Chef's choice,
0: man. I mean, I don't know why people don't do chef's choice more often. You know, it'd be a bit like me coming into your house and being like, "Yeah, I'm going to choose the best spot." Or the, or the thing that means most, like to think about the amount of time a chef has spent around their food. And that's what I did down in Austin. Mm-hmm. And it was actually funny. Like, I think that's how you can give an edge to the locals. But yeah, shout out to Kat and Dan over at Glybarn I had the opportunity to talk to Dan afterwards for a few minutes. So they've been working on Glybarn for three years, but they've been looking at that space specifically for probably another five. And um, he talked about the day that Kat said that she wanted to do the restaurant. And then Dan honestly didn't want to do it. He's not from that world. But he could see how much it meant to his partner. And he was like, fuck it. I'll become that thing. And he says it's absolutely transformed their relationship. So I just loved that. I love the personality of it. I thought the short rib was just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the wine, the red and the white. Pad Thai should get some love. Yeah, the Pad Thai was wild. So um, we wrapped at Gly Barn. And then we headed over to Highball. Again, shout out to Libby and Mitch and their team. Hyval transported me to, I don't know, Chicago, New York, London. Like it just had a vibe that transcended the Southeast. Uh, I got an absolutely delightful OnlyFans, which I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like I have never seen such a modern, tongue in cheek, fun list of cocktails and everything was just delicious. And mm-hmm. And that was such a vibe, right? Like it was packed to the rafters. You could not get a seat in there. The vibes and the music were incredible, and it was just nice to bring everybody into a kind of like classier but not stuffy environment.
1: To me it felt like a speakeasy without the hidden entrance. It had one of those cool, classy, dim lights kind of feels. Mm-hmm. I will say what did surprise me about the choice of, of many people in this group is that each cocktail they'll see there seemed very carefully curated. Uh, I don't think I've seen any of those combinations in any cocktails in any bar I've been to. And yet, a lot of people just got old fashions. I mm-hmm.
0: guess they were being polite.
2: <laughs>
1: well, you can always go back.
0: You can always go back.
2: Yeah.
0: So we took it back to the house. It was a late night. i would be honest, Cam and I kind of took ourselves off to bed. Uh, we knew we had an early start in the morning. We taught class yesterday morning. So convening a cohort that's literally on a 11 hour time difference. is kind of pretty crazy. But everybody did their deloads. It was a phenomenal session that we really, really enjoyed. Cam cooked an absolutely mean breakfast of a French toast, of bacon, of a fresh fruit and banana. And then after that, we were able to get into a a really amazing office hours, You know, which was really our first time to to have a one-on-one conversation with the fellows. And I I thought that was an amazing office hours. Um, It was just a great moment after two days of kind of craziness to really just check in. And, and see how everybody was kind of proceeding through the class and mm-hmm. they were able to react to all the ideas and conversations that they had had and um, I think it was just amazing just how like how at home everyone felt
2: mm-hmm. I thought it was the inflection point for the weekend because like it's very personal I think it's easy as a group even though we're in person together to still keep an arm's length but when it's two on one for 45 minutes in a closed office like you can't really keep that distance anymore and so for me it was probably the highlight of the weekend personally because we don't know these people really like we get a lens into their life and we obviously have a high level understanding of where they want to go but to just sit with someone and actually listen to them for 45 minutes doesn't happen that often and the time clipped by way faster than the time actually elapsed and you know, to have people excited to come in, spend time with us, go back out to the pool, and then discuss things that they probably thought about for the first time with everybody else. That's what it's all about. And so I think that set the tone for the rest of the weekend, which was highly, highly personal. You know, we went from <clears throat> a group of students and some educators to a group of friends. And I think it was Kali at the wine tasting who said, you know, you guys toe the line between Educator and friend exceptionally well and I think the office hours and the rest of the day on Saturday were like the perfect embodiment of that
0: yeah and I will give just a few shout outs thank you to Max Brown who was able to connect us with Michael Butler Michael came over for for a quick pint which was lovely he runs one of 19 bulky distribution centers for Amazon across the United States and he's the top performing uh, performance center in the entire network so he couldn't join us for dinner because he was taking his uh VPs out to Arrowhead Grill for some steak. But that was just a fantastic conversation to talk to somebody who served for 20 years, spent time in you know, South America, is wildly talented. And uh, it was fantastic just to see his reaction to breakouts and to see him then thinking about all the things that he still wants to do, despite having this amazing job at Amazon and a beautiful family. And uh, yeah, we're excited to help him build a, a world-class cigar lounge down the road.
1: So, and we, funny enough, I don't know if you guys uh, heard this from him, but he had just come from Valentine's where we had brunch the previous no day. No way. hmm
0: Oh, I didn't even get him that. Wow. That's pretty dope. So, uh, we went from one dressed restaurant to another uh, in Hunter, <laughs> who's the director of operations at EG's, which is the, the wonderful company that Cam works at. He's a larger than life character. He was hmm. swagged to the nines yesterday. And uh, ooh. yeah, Ooh is right, and yeah, Hunter just bought a completely different energy. Um, Bud Light in hand, tongue in cheek jokes. Mm-hmm. It was the first PowerPoint of the weekend. Mm-hmm. What did you guys take away from that?
1: I think a few things. Um, one for me was. He kind of had a breakdown uh, about some of the rules that he lives by uh, to be successful I'd say not just in the professional world but in your your personal life as well and they hinge around essentially being a good person Uh, what do you list being a hard worker you don't have to be smarter but it's nice Uh, and treating people the way you want to be treated uh, and he talks a long time about the difference between a, a customer focused versus a customer centric brand. Uh, and the difference being that one, you're putting the customer first in words, you're talking the talk, uh, but in the other in customer centric, you're walking the walk, uh, you are living and dying by those words and your actions prove out uh, in everything you do mm. that the customer matters. Yeah. I think I took exception to some of his examples of uh, brands that are customer centric versus focused. He loves FedEx. More power to him. Uh, I did agree with some of the other examples, uh, and in general, I think it was one of those things where he did kind of touch on a lot of topics, which, when you don't keep top of mind, are easy to forget. Yeah, I and agree. so at least, and at least at a broad level, uh, those are all things that, if you can, like put into one package you'll be very well off.
0: Yeah. I liked his his value equation the most. You know, this idea of value is product plus service plus image and the denominator being price. Um, I thought that was a really compelling way. And it's funny when he talked about image, he was like how the team looks and feels and is there trash in the the parking lot? But I think the imagery piece that I connected was around, again, the assets, you know, and, and just the portfolio, which is obviously what everyone's going to be working towards now in the kind of back end of the class and i would say it's almost like if you don't have image like product and service i don't think is going to go anywhere because people aren't even going to want to look you know look at you walk into the to the store because they don't feel like it's clean it isn't reflective of their brand Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i think tim in particular really resonated with that Um, sounds like hunter had a very similar story to his dad so i think he he achieved his goal of at least one person walking away being like
2: boom absolutely for me it was fun because I've only known Hunter four months and I love the guy which is bizarre because we're very different but in terms of what we're trying to co-create together and what our value structure is we're very aligned and I think the biggest encouragement that I can give to everyone from this weekend is to find a Hunter you know Hunter's been someone who has taught me so 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 much and is vested 1000% in pouring back into me to develop me and mentor me and grow me. And that's so different than my past life. You know, in finance, it's very easy to feel like a commodity. It's very easy for your bosses to focus on the 1% you do wrong. And to have someone who always builds you up, who always believes in you, probably more than you believe in yourself, it's powerful. So my encouragement to everyone is, you know, if you do have a job, whether you're looking for a job change or a promotion or thinking about departing, like don't look for another job. I would encourage you to look for a mentor. And if you find a mentor like Hunter, do everything that you can to build him up as well. So it was fun for me, man. Really, really gratifying.
0: Amazing. So we went from, from Hunter and, and Bud Lights and some Chick-fil-A into uh, just a phenomenal wine tasting. Some beautiful ribeye steaks cooked by Cam and an incredible you know steak dinner. Um, Chris Lingua, I mean, holy shit, man. He he really blew me away. Chris is, a, is the husband of Libby Lingua, who's at Highball. He runs his own all-natural wine shop. He was the first person in the entire state to do that. He's a Californian boy born and bred. And so just to hear him talk about all natural wine i mean that was education that was experience that was story
1: it was also very different from the first glass i can say as someone who has tasted wines in california and italy and france and germany uh the very first glass he gave us was kind of cloudy kind of bubbly it had some some resid uh floating I. Uh, And just off the mark, I could tell it was different than anything I'd ever tasted. Uh, And that set, well, let me actually say before I even get there, it tasted amazing. And there was one of those amazing moments where we tasted it. We all agreed it was fantastic. And then Cornelius looks it up on Vivino and realizes it has a 4-4 rating, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And that set the expectation for all of them. And I will say, I, I think it got stronger as it went. My favorite was the last one.
0: Yeah, I, I got to agree. I mean, I looked at Vivino after. There's 12 and a half million bottles of wine on there. There's 50 million users. And that thing had 70 ratings. And it was it was from Maine. And he goes, oh, Deep cool. dives. Yeah, you just knew it. It was one of them ones where you're like, okay, it's only a 10 rating, so it's, it's, you know, a bunch of new guys who are just, it's like 70. It's like, okay, 70 killers have tasted this. And yeah, I think Chris said some amazing things I think the thing that I loved is he said wine should transport you to wherever it was born mm-hmm. and, and when I think about wine I think about it like an artist recording a record you know and I want it to not be compressed I want to hear and feel and taste and smell all the intricacies and inefficiencies of the process and that is why he loves natural or natural wine
1: and I would add it's not just where it's from but it's a time capsule uh, into the specific time in addition to the place it's from. Like he mentioned, if a place has a specific rainy season, uh, if for some reason there are certain crops that aren't growing well or are in the soil around it, uh, the wine should taste different and reflect that specific season. Uh, And so him talking about that kind of seasonality was very interesting to me. As well as, I don't know about you guys, but I learned a lot about the production process and the amount of sulfites that are put in what are the things he mentioned that make things last longer? I heard uh, ox's blood yeah. and shellfish Well, yeah, and other so things a strain.
2: He was talking about straining out um, the haziness that we felt in the pet gnat. And he said running it through a coagulant like shellfish shells or ox blood is how they actually filter things. And so my mind immediately went to like, oh, you get flush red when you're drinking red wine. And he actually brought that up. And it's not because of the red wine. It's because you're actually having a reaction to whatever they integrated into the winemaking process and yeah he mentioned things like sulfur, bleached sugar and all of these things even from the most elite winemakers in the world that I had no idea were involved in the wine process you're always told oh it's just grapes but they don't actually talk to you about the instigants and the catalysts that leave residue in the wine and I think my favorite line from him all evening I know I was in and out of the kitchen but him talking about how alive these natural wines are, and how dead spirits certainly are, but even some of these massive wine labels are, because of the preservatives and the sulfates and everything that goes into it. And, you know, popping out a wine bottle that's got a freaking bottle cap on it that knocks the skin off the baseball in comparison to really like any wine that I've tried before just felt very different. I didn't know why there wasn't more... Awareness Around natural Mm -hmm. wine And I think Chris is really on to something You know, advocating for immediate drinking Because it's good today And it'll taste different tomorrow Is Mm -hmm. a very different paradigm in wine And that freshness surprised me Mm -hmm. I think this was
1: my favorite wine tasting I've been to And it's also the first one Where no wine, I think, was older than 2019 Yeah, absolutely
0: Yeah, it's absolutely wild I think we're looking forward to making Chris our exclusive wine partner um, Because his shit is dope and yeah, if you if you didn't know, guys, ice-cold Syrah and a cheeseburger is apparently lights out. So I will be trying that ASAP. Um, and just loved his take on red wine, can be chilled. Don't let anyone tell you it has to be served at, you know, room temp. And uh, yeah, the fact he hasn't been hungover in three years, bar his recent trip to LA, and he drinks one to two bottles per day is, is pretty phenomenal.
1: It might partially speak to
0: the amount he drinks. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, right? It's... It's incredible to look at someone who's doing it for a very, very different reason. I think the words he used were exploration versus expectation. Like he is not drinking to get drunk, he is drinking to explore. And I think that was a, a really, really beautiful reframe. And funnily enough, we could barely get him to take a sip last night, which I thought was amazing. So um, Chris stayed with us for way too long. Again, thank you for his, his wonderful time. He left several bottles behind that were quickly guzzled down with Cam's beautiful bone-in ribeye steaks. But enjoyed. But enjoyed, but enjoyed. And yeah, I think my favorite moment of the entire weekend was Tim and I had gone out to get some cigars. Of course, there was a world-class cigar store right around the corner. So I was smoking my favorite cigar, Davidoff Number 3. And I think we were all just sitting here, and it was like that post-dinner glow. And everyone was just like, this is fucking amazing. Like, I've never done this before. You know, it was 7, eight, twenty, thirty somethings two of my favorite guys who've been through a lot with me. And I'm just there smoking a cigar that I love, that I know I can smoke, drinking a bottle of wine I'd never heard of two hours earlier. And everybody's just like, I love this community. You're onto something. It was amazing. And, and what I said to everybody is that that was a made-it moment for me. And I think I really give Devon credit for that, which is like oftentimes we're playing for these... You know very 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 grandiose ideas in the future and those who know me know i'm a big dreamer but you have to take those moments and and recognize that there's different versions of made it along the way and that was a made it moment for me mm. last night and it was just so beautiful to to have everyone together and even for sierra to be there you know kind of looking in like sierra is a, a wonderful young woman who works for egs and a good friend of cam and and she's worked a lot of places and you know it's big in the nightlife scene and she said I feel like a guest in my own city this weekend and I was like bang on
1: I think one of the things I've loved about retreats uh, and I'm going to borrow some of Cornelius's language here uh, but world-class experiences can lead to world-class conversations and one of the things that strikes me in every city we go to uh, is the amount of access to world-class experiences Uh, And I think it does set really an incredible mood, uh, one that's intimate and vulnerable, uh, just by kind of going through these things. And I encourage anyone listening, if you get the opportunity to come on a retreat with these two men, do it. If it's in your own city, do it. You'll get to see a different part that you never get to do. Um, which is why, selfishly, I really want to go on a retreat in Atlanta at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so let's wrap with that. Cam, what we got coming up, the rest of Q2. You give everyone a feel for our
0: trip to Atlanta, our artist night in Chicago. And I guess the next time we'll be probably together, we'll be, you know, the artist night next month. <coughs> and then we're on to the, to the Northeast.
2: Yeah, won't give too much away. But in two weeks, we're going to be in Atlanta for a three-day weekend. We'll be staying in Beltline. So if you're around the city, want to meet up, either for drinks, for dinner, or to spend some time with us at the house, please reach out to Cornelius and me. We're happy, happy, happy to have guests. Then in June, we're planning an artist's evening. I don't want to give too much away, but we're co-creating it with Zoe Rain. And the vision is to go to Zoe Rain's studio, invite probably 18 to 24 of the best people that we know inside and outside of the city of Chicago and descend on her studio for an evening of great food around a chef's table where the chef and Zoe are going to go deep on their vision for what it means to be a creative both behind the lens and as a chef and so by sharing a dinner and having the opportunity to purchase one-of-a-kind portraits from Zoe is going to be super super differentiated and I'm excited to co-create that experience and to actually be in that seat in June so we'll be starting to sell tickets in probably two to three weeks time um, so keep an eye out for that
0: Yeah, and then the final thing is where we spend the rest of this year so you know we've done Austin, we've done Charleston, we've done Savannah we've, we've just wrapped now with Phoenix we've got one more southern tour and then we're off to
2: the northeast boys, you mm-hmm. excited for that? very need to figure out if my parents are selling the house or not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can't wait. Yeah.
0: Well, look, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we'll see you in a
1: couple of weeks. Until the next Silky Sonics from Cornelius McGraw. Hey, Cheers.
0: Hello, everyone. It's Cornelius. Just two more things before you go. First, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate the show or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. It's a small but mighty powerful action that makes a world of difference for the reach of the Junto's platform. Second, if you find yourself thinking, wow, I would have loved to be in the room for conversations like this, then you should consider becoming a member of the Junto. The Junto is a space made for those who want to teach what they do know and learn what they don't, alongside some of the brightest minds in the world today. It's a peer-to-peer-driven community committed to the exploration of evergreen ideas, collaboration, and admitting that we don't yet have all the answers that we're seeking. Members have the opportunity to attend our exclusive quarterly virtual retreats and get access to our quarterly digital publication called 1727, not to mention countless life-changing conversations with new friends, peers, and mentors that you'll cherish forever. Anyway, that's all for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.